Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Run Hard Running Team podcast. As you know, my name is Jesse, and I'm glad you gave us your time today and you are tuning in. So today I have a guest on here that I'm honored that they have given their time and share their running experiences and life experiences with us. So glad you're tuning to the Run Hard Running Team podcast. Remember, Run Hard is so much more than just a running program. We help kids develop life skills that we believe and have seen help them succeed later in life. So check it out, runhard.org. So today's guest that I get to have a conversation with is Dondi Mercer Plank. If you've been in South Carolina for any amount of time, you've seen her on TV. If you've run in Columbia at a race around town, I'm sure that you've shared the road with her. So Dondi, thanks for your time. Oh, do you know how much I'm enjoying this? I'm so glad you're offering this podcast, and thanks for allowing me to be one of your guests. Oh, you bet. So uh, the previous guest, we've talked about um, all things running. Sometimes it doesn't have to do with anything running. So, you know, who knows where this conversation will go. But first, uh, just to give a listener the listeners a little background. So currently, like, uh, like what you do now, Tell everybody about your career and your airtime, I guess, if you want to say it like that, on TV. Yes. So, Jesse, when I was in sixth grade many years ago, I said I wanted to be a television journalist. I knew literally from that moment on, because we had done a class project and the teacher had given us an assignment to research some kind of work field. And I loved creative writing. I loved current events. I enjoyed standing in front of a crowd speaking and presenting in class. And it just intrigued me to be able to find out what was happening in our classroom, or in that case, in our school, and write a story about it and present it. And so I would literally be one of those kids in middle school and high school who went home and watched the evening news with my parents. And I was always fascinated by people being anywhere locally, on a statewide level, in the United States, in other countries. And I thought, that's what I want to do. So I've been doing this career once I finished college and an internship in Washington, D.C. I had my first job in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I was there for three years after doing a local program at Ball State University, where I was from in Indiana. And then three, so three years in Green Bay, four years in Columbia. Then I went to Houston for five years. And then I came back here for what I thought was going to be one more year before going on to a different market. And here we are 20 plus years additional here. So a total of 24 in this market, a total of 33 years in television news. And I just think of it as a huge blessing. This is what I desired as a sixth grade student. And it's still what I'm doing today in my mid fifties. Sure. So started in sixth grade and it just blossomed from there. It's taking you many places, as you mentioned, Green Bay, Wisconsin. uh, I mean, just Columbia, Houston, back to Columbia, all that kind of stuff. As as you've done the journalism and, and things like that, what's been the most unique place that your career has taken you maybe for a one-time event or maybe for you know it could have been a multi-year event or or time what's been the most unique place it's taking you you know i remember years ago um Shinkatink Island, where the, the these horses that are, they swim them across from their wild horses from the island where they live down to another area where they're able to sell them and 
they're just so overcrowded. So I just remember being fascinated by that early in my career. Then I also remember in Green Bay, instead of a helicopter, which we had here at WIS, I remember in Green Bay we had a snowmobile and going out to these gorgeous cow pastures and all this dairy farmland and and right to get to where we needed to be we would take the snowmobile and then in houston you know it was just big name people that you might meet here it's been you know as as, uh, presidential candidates come through you meet them and interview them um i think that um you know, I love going just into little towns. It might be going into Newberry and doing a story on someone there. And it, it doesn't necessarily always have to be that you're at some remarkable place. I mean, I've been able to fly in an F-18 fighter jet, which is with wow. the Blue Angels, which wow. is just phenomenal. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, that's one thing that's so neat about this career is you get the opportunity to do some things you might obviously never be able you know to do otherwise so i think flying in the fighter jet and going up into the heavenlies and flying around and jesse i'll tell you it i was so sick though i bet (laughs) i talk about how great it was you know to fly with the blue angels in this fighter jet I was like, please, just get me down on the ground. I want my feet on the ground. It was great to do all the acrobats and and the amazing flips and turns. So and they did circles. all that while you were flying. They did all that. The 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 flips. Oh yes, oh, yeah. yes. I mean, it's great to look at the video now. It took me a while till I could look at it. Sure. And then I think you know the the most I would say significant person in my opinion that I had the opportunity to interview is Charles Bolden, former astronaut from the Eau Claire community of Columbia. Right. And I joke and say, for an astronaut, he is the most down-to-earth person hmm. I've ever met. I so enjoyed this man who, you know, just his very presence commands respect because he has been up in space and he has done so much for the space program and yet he is the kindest man and i just have really enjoyed the opportunity to interview him over the years so you know while while it's neat to interview people like that i really love interviewing the people who are just everyday people living life and have stories to tell because i think we're all created in a way that we all have something to share with others sure sure so, I mean, your careers take you many places, and you've been able to experience many things. I, I can't remember the first time I met you. I mean, obviously, I saw you, I've seen you on TV and, and knew of you before, but exchanging conversation, I believe it was on, you know, the road, whether yes. it was a Columbia Marathon or it, it was uh-huh. a, a, another event. So, just to learn more about you, I learned how much of a love for running that you have and not just running, but just being an overall healthy person. So uh-huh. how did that um, interest or love of running start for you? I was the kind of person who basically would run around the block and be tired. I've always been athletic. I've always been into some kind of sports, be it cheerleading as a young girl from the time I could walk. My mom had me in ballet and I did ballet forever for, for more than a decade. Um, and really at one point thought I would love to be a ballerina, but I just wanted journalism more than that. And I wasn't good. I was decent, but I wasn't good enough where I could pursue it and actually make it a career. But it gave me a great foundation in 
discipline of the body and all that ballet does. And I played tennis and I would go to the gym and lift weights, but it wasn't until 1993 that a friend of mine said he was going to run a marathon. And he said, Eric Ashton is coaching this team called uh, Team in Training. They raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And as a result, you raise X amount of dollars and he'll train you to become a runner. So that piqued my interest, but more, Jesse, out of being competitive against my friend. (laughs) It wasn't really that I wanted to be a runner. I just thought, wait a minute, if you can run a marathon, and I had had never even done a half marathon. Um, I don't think I'd ever done anything more than five miles. And so... I thought, well, if this guy thinks he's going to run this marathon, I'm doing it. So I signed up. Well, he was one and done. Yeah. I just kept going. And I I was like, I'm hooked after the first one. And like so many things, you know, people who understand distance running, you're at mile 20 and you're thinking, I am never doing this again. I hate this. Why do I put myself through this? I, you know, you're, you're ready to just curl up in a ball on the side of the road and go home. And yet the moment you cross that finish line, what are you saying? Oh, sign me up again. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to oh, do yeah. the next one. There's been many of friendships ruined about between the 18 to 22 <laughs> mile mark of a race. I mean, you may be running together for a while, but it comes, there comes a point where you're like, yeah. I hate you. Get away from me. Yeah, I'm never doing this again. It's such a toll on the body. But then I want to tell you, though, that is one of the reasons of all the sports that I do currently and have in the past. There is something special about running because to me, it is the perfect illustration of life you start out and you're feeling great on certain things you know that's at mile one two three and you're like oh i could do this forever and then in the middle of a marathon you start really feeling how it's taxing your body and it's taxing your mind and that is so synonymous with trials in our lives we can be going through something at first we're like yeah you know i can handle this after a while we seem to be run down by it. We seem to be losing our energy for it, our oomph to be able to get through it. But you just continue to persevere. But you can't get from mile one to mile 26 by snapping your fingers. That's right. And I remind people, you don't get through a trial by just snapping your fingers. You have to literally go through every mile of it and even break that down further. You have to literally get through every step of it, literally one day at a time. Sometimes I think that one day at a time becomes so cliche, but there's so much truth to it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love comparing life to a marathon and vice versa, because it is truly taking one step at a time starting from the beginning and getting to the end. There's a thing on my desk at home that it's a picture I found in a magazine of a a woman running down a road and, you know, beautiful sunset behind her. And it says the person who starts the marathon is not the person who finishes. Mm. And it includes Psalm 26, too, obviously for 26.2 miles. And in the message Bible, it says, the Psalm 26.2 says, examine me, God, from head to foot, order your battery of tests, make sure I'm fit inside and out. And there are other translations like the NIV says, test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. But I love that in the message version, because it's just a reminder from head to foot, we go through these 
these tests in our lives, and we just want to make sure we're fit inside and out, not just fit physically, but obviously fit mentally, emotionally, spiritually, most importantly. And so that's why I think I have such a love for running, other than the fact that I love the endorphins and the runner's high you get and just the camaraderie. You know, as you well know, Jesse, I run all my marathons with my best friend, Gina Moffat, and it, it is just such a blessing to be side by side with each other from the beginning of mile one to the end. That's right. So take me back to that, that marathon in 93. Um, where was that marathon at? New York. New York. Was it the New York the New City? New York City Marathon. Oh, wow. Okay. How big of a group was it that ran for Team and Training? Oh, oh, you mean for Team and Training? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess there were maybe 40 of us. Wow. Maybe. Okay. So that was a pretty large group that went up there and, yes. and ran that race. And so that was your first one. How many have you run since your first one? I always have to ask, how many have I run or how many have I trained for? Because, you know, <laughs> you, you get up to the last point and then like at the last minute you break a foot or something. Oh, but yeah. I, have, I have run, I have completed 16 wow, good marathons. For you. I have run more than that because um, in one of my marathons, it was the Myrtle Beach Marathon, at mile 15.4, my foot I stubbed my toe. I, I somehow found the only little divot in the road, and I fell straight down on my knees with nothing to break the fall, and I split one of my knees open. Now, thankfully, structurally, my knee was not hurt at all, but it was cut down to the cartilage, and mm. the ambulance came, and I was like, no, no, you know, I want to finish the marathon. And he says, ma'am, I can see your cartilage. I don't think it's such a good idea. But, you know, you're you're on endorphins at that point. So right. you're thinking, oh, you know, I could do this. And Gina looked at me and she said, no, we, we got to take care of this. So they had to we had to go to the emergency room and they cleaned it out and sewed it up. So Gina got me a shirt made, you know, like with the little runner oval showing your distance. Right. Well, you know, you see the 13.1 ovals, the 26.2. She made one 15.4. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yes, yeah, 16 marathons completed. And then last year, I don't know if this happened to you, but I'm sure some of your listeners will relate. I was on my way to North Carolina, Cary, North Carolina, for the Tobacco Run Marathon. And yep. we were using that to try to do it, uh, use it as a Boston qualifier again. And so we were on our way up there. At where we were planning to be up there and the week before they canceled it and i was so bummed because i was feeling like my strongest i thought wow i haven't felt this good before a marathon for a long time so i said gina let's find another marathon because we were all trained for it that's why you joke about how many have you right. run versus how many have you trained for right. and so we found another marathon possibility down at tybee island the weekend after we signed up for it we packed up. The guy said, hey, we're not, you know, COVID, we're, we're, we're still able to do this despite COVID and the pandemic and the restrictions. And so we were in the car. We were on our way. We were halfway there. We pulled over for food. Gina just happened to check her email, and the email came in saying the marathon's been canceled. Oh, no. <laughs> so we turned around. Wow. And I said, what do we do? Just, you know, go back and run around our neighborhood <laughs> for 26 right. miles? Yeah. 
Yeah, you wanted to get something out of it. I mean, all the yes, training, not just yes, for one yes. marathon, but now two. I mean, you had one's disappointing enough, but then two back to back. Back to back, exactly. You know, I have um, a personal connection to it, but I'll just say this. You should have done the Columbia Marathon. I'm pretty <laughs> yes, sure we I were the know, last Jesse. event that happened before the shutdown. I, I know that, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't do that one. See, and I was trying to qualify for Boston, but apparently you really like hills. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so much, you know, I just make you run them twice. So, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One's not enough. I get it, though. We're not really a Boston qualifying course by any means. So, but a good I, I, one. yeah, yeah, nonetheless. So, um, what races do you have? I know you talked, you mentioned the races that were canceled in 2020. So, do you have a, uh, a marathon that you have set your sight on for this year to possibly qualify or try to qualify again? Well, Yes and no. I don't have a specific one already planned because I felt so burned last year by getting all ready for them. And so then I thought what I'm going to try to do is pull back on the running a little bit, you know, enjoy my other sports. And then when we feel like there's going to be a marathon where we're not having to wear a mask or we're not having to, you know, run different directions or something, you know, all these accommodations. And I understand the, you know, needing to be careful. I do. And I respect that. But I just want the marathons I'm used to where you're all crowded in at the start and you take off and, and, you know, I, I'm really longing for that again. I'm hoping by the fall we could be doing one. My mileage right now, Jesse is low because October 30th of last year, I was leaving for work and I missed a step going from my house into my garage and I twisted my ankle Worse than I've ever twisted. Now, thankfully, nothing broke, which was a huge blessing. Sure. But I, I've heard people say sometimes a twisted ankle can take longer to heal than a broken bone, and I have definitely found it with this. So while I'm happy right now to go out and do four miles, that's not near at all. Right. You know where I would want to be, obviously, at this time for an October marathon, but still plenty, plenty of time to get my mileage up. I've just been trying to baby the ankle. Um, I'm in that stage where you're almost through it, but you it swells after, you know, some speed work or after the four miles. Um, but And I kind of laugh because I, I always, if, I, if my coworkers see me or my friends at church see me in a cast, in a boot, or crutches, I, I just so want to hide it from them because they're like, are you kidding right. again? Right, yeah. So, so, yeah, but I would love to get the next marathon in by this fall. Okay. So as you train for these marathons, I, I'm generally interested when I ask this because I don't know. Have you ever qualified for Boston? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I've, I've gone there and run it, yes. When in 2008, I did Boston. I had actually qualified before that, but my schedule didn't allow for me to be able to go. Um, it, but So I, I then had to go and requalify, and then I got to go there in 2008 and run that one. Many of my uh, listeners that I know that are listening, that they comment that they're listening or they tell me they're listening, they're like, man, I'm trying to qualify for Boston. Boston is like the Olympics for us, like non-professional runners. So d- describe to them a little bit, what's one memory you have of running the, the marathon, or maybe not necessarily running the marathon, but just going and having the overall race experience. What's one thing that you remember most about going to Boston in 2008? 
good question. I think, Jesse, honestly, for me, because there, there are neat things on the course, but I could say that about a lot of the marathons, you know, because I've gone to so many different states to do some of these marathons. So I don't know that, you know, like you're going to see something so spectacular on the Boston route that it's like, oh, this is a must do just for that. Right. For me, it wasn't that. For me, what was so special about it was realizing I made it. I made it to right, this, right. you know, and, and the satisfaction of knowing I pushed hard for other marathons so that I could be here for this one. Right. And, you know, cause there are some opportunities people have where they can do like a fundraiser and they can raise a certain amount of money to be able to run the Boston marathon. Right. And I respect that. And I think that's wonderful, you know, cause I'm all about, you know, charity and, and doing that sort of thing. But I just personally, for me, I wouldn't want to go to Boston based on that. I would want to do it the way I've done it, where you work so hard so that you can be there. And then when I did get there, it was just this huge sense of joy and gratefulness, realizing the hard work paid off. And I get to say, I'm a Boston marathoner. Sure. Not every year. Right. Every time. But right. <laughs> to have been there it was it was really um exciting just every mile knowing i made it to boston sure question about the race or more about the merchandise of the race did you buy the jacket <laughs> well i have to laugh at that because no i did not and i i laugh because my husband and I, when we've gone, he goes as, you know, my support team. Sure. And so he went with, with Gina and, 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 and me as we were there. And we laughed so hard because my husband would be like, oh, I bet that person ran Boston before. Because, you know, you're going around and you're seeing the people <laughs> in it. And so it, on one hand, it's kind of like you do want people to know, hey, I've run this before. Right. On the other hand, I kind of like to, you know put them first. I, I have this thing about, I, in fact, there's a ministry out there called I am second. And right. I'm, I'm always thinking, Hey, if you need that moment of glory, go ahead. I'm proud of you. But no, I, I did not buy the jacket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I look back, I ran it in 2011 and you know, then I'm like, there is no way I'm spending that much money yeah, on exactly. a jacket. Yeah. And then now I'm like, I'm searching on eBay for uh, the Boston Marathon jacket from 2011. I'm like, man, I should have bought it. You oh, know? that's funny. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, in fact, one year that I went there, I decided at the last minute to not run it because I, I was having an issue with my foot. And I was... I just decided I, I had to had take so much time off. I still went there because a friend, another friend of mine was running it. And, but I got my bag and it had the, the shirt and I said, I can't wear this because I truly didn't run it that year. Sure. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't even take that shirt. Wouldn't even, you know, bring it home because to me, even though I qualified, I didn't run it that day. Right. Um, so, but, but the time that I did run it in 2008, yes, I, I was so proud to get that, you know, finisher shirt at the end and the medal. And of course, I mean, what do you do with your medals? You know, you, right. I mean, for me, they're in my closet, you know, right. Right. so, but it's, but it is such joy to be there and do it, whether you want to wear the jacket or show the medal or not, it's, it's just such a joy to be out there and to be able to do it. Where did you qualify for Boston at? What, which race? That was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. The, um, Thunder Road? 
Yes, yes. That, that's yeah. not that's not an easy course, or at least my experience running it twice. I've yeah. always struggled on that course. So good job. And you know, and I did Jacksonville, Florida too. That marathon right. I qualified that year. Right. Um, and but I didn't. You know, again, sometimes you qualify, but your schedule just doesn't allow you to get there. And sure. and it's not cheap, as as you know. I mean, you've got. It's one thing to qualify, but then you've got the entry fee, which isn't cheap. You've got right. the hotel, which isn't cheap. The flight, which isn't cheap. I always laugh and think they, they hike up all the prices for everything. It's like, oh, here come the marathoners. Right, right. <laughs> you know, They're already crazy the, enough running 26 miles, you know? So, yeah, hike mm-hmm. up, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what is, uh, what's your favorite place to train or run? Are you more of like a, a, a trail runner? Do you like to train in the woods? Do you like to train on roads? What's your favorite so place to train? I, I love trail running, but I rarely do it. And mostly because I'm always training my ankles. I'm one of those runners. You okay. know, I really okay. need a flat surface. I I loathe, capital loathe, sure. a treadmill. But I oh, am yeah. willing to do a treadmill if the weather is such that I just can't be out there. But I live in the country, and I do most of my running in the country. Um, So I will go miles without seeing people. Um, To me, it is, you know, I've got my music on, and I've got rolling hills and horses or cows or just beautiful, you know, fields, farmland. And so I... You know, I mean, I see houses too, but it's, I can go for miles. I feel very safe where I am. Um, but, but then on my long runs, I come into town and Gina and I, and sometimes some other people will meet us. And then we just run, you know, through downtown. We run through neighborhoods. We run out to Riverfront Park. We, you know, it depends on what we're, you know, doing that particular, you know, what we're training for. Um, it is amazing how when you've got, if you've got a long run of 20 plus miles, you, you can see pretty much, you know, I mean, just a oh, yeah. lot, you know, oh, yeah. in that amount of time. But the, my running during the week is all out in the country. Now, what would you say would be your um, most favorite or most memorable race experience from a scenic view where as you're running this race and you're just like man this is a beautiful countryside city almost like uh somewhere where you would suggest to somebody hey here's an awesome destination race just for the scenery without a doubt the cape cod massachusetts one i ran that one and that i don't think i've seen a prettier site that for a marathon now Kiowa Island was beautiful I ran that marathon but the thing is Jesse about that one as pretty as it is I felt like I was looking I I thought I don't know that I want one more marsh you know one more mile of just looking at the marsh and and whereas Cape Cod had so much you know visual stimulation that you you'd get so lost in it and I remember coming up around a corner and seeing uh, a coming the corner of a hill and and as I come around that curve and I see this lighthouse it was just so picturesque so that would definitely be my favorite as far as scenery um you know, but, but when you do like the Chicago Marathon, the New York Marathon, especially New York where you go through all five boroughs, and, right. and that, you know, you just get a flavor of these these large cities. 
and the way that people come out and cheer you on, it's like you go miles not even thinking about your feet hurting because you're so um, entertained and your mind is just wrapped up in everything else. And so there's a benefit to the beauty countryside like I saw in Cape Cod, but there's also a beauty in going through, you know, maybe the dirty city of New York, but with all the flavor of five boroughs and the amazing people and all the, the music and activity, that's very special too. Yeah. What would you say that was Cape Cod's the most scenic? What outside of Boston, which race marathon race would you say had the best crowd support? Let's see. It'd have to be New York or Chicago. Um, crowd support i'm trying to think of others uh all the others let me think yeah all the others would be you'd go a while without seeing people and then you might see a cluster of people sure um now that carry north carolina one it's called the tobacco road marathon and that is on what used to be a railroad line and they took it out and they paved it so it goes between neighborhoods and okay um plenty of, of running space. I was very, very impressed with the organization of it. Um, and that, you know, you got a lot of people who came out for that. The Charlotte Marathon, there were a lot of people initially, and then you kind of ended up in this industrial park. Right, <laughs> I was right. Like, okay, oh, yeah. that just, you know, took it down. Um, but you know, another one I did that I really thought the crowd support was beautiful was Marshall in West Virginia. Okay. And, what was really neat about that one is when you come into um, the finish line, they hand you a football and you get to, you know, the whole We Are Marshall thing. Right. You get to run across the finish line with the football. Oh, that's cool. Um, that was awesome. Now, what was really special to me, though, was to go to Green Bay for their marathon. Now, that one, my husband ran the marathon, and he's he's not a marathoner. He ran to, to um, when he was wanting to date me, he all of a sudden became a runner. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he did run three marathons. Um, and... But then he was he was done. But yeah. one of the marathons that he ran was in um, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I ran the half marathon there. And there you go into Lambeau Field for the finish and you run completely around the inside. So having worked as a reporter wow. in Green Bay, Wisconsin for three years and going to the Packers games and then to come back, because even though I was a reporter – and had gone to games, you know, I never got down on the field. And so it was so special as a runner to be able to run around Lambeau Field. Um, that was just special. No and, doubt. you know, another one, if, if, you know, if you're talking scenery, I ran a half marathon in PEI, which is Prince Edward Island. It's on the far east side of Canada. And that, oh, my goodness, is that wow. ever gorgeous country. And so that, that was a beautiful half marathon. Wow, I bet so. So, uh, as a reporter, you, you've worked as a reporter for years, as you, as you've described. What gives you more? I would say nervous excitement. I really don't know the feeling, but okay. So you're on or about to go on air, and you're about to break a really important story, or when you're standing at the start line of the marathon where you're trying to break or 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 get the Boston qualifying standard. All right. So you're standing Uh at the start line of a marathon trying to qualify for Boston. 
or you're about to go on air to, uh, to break a story. Which one? Which one do you have the butterflies in your stomach more, more excitement? You're ready. Which one, uh, which one is it? I like that question. That, that's um, thought-provoking. I would say that I want to answer with both, and here's okay. why. Okay. On, on a race, on the start of a race, I get so – I don't know why I try to take a deep breath. I try to pray. I get so nervous before a race. I mean where I'm just thinking I don't want to do this. Why did I sign up again? I am so full of butterflies. I think – I just almost feel like I want to throw up because sure. I'm so nervous. Right. But then when I start the race, as soon as I get going, almost immediately I start calming down. And then, you know, especially after I've got the first mile under my belt, I'm like – okay, now I'm starting to warm up a little bit. I'm going to get in my groove. And then all the nerves completely go away. For the television side of nerves, I don't ever get nervous on TV, except I will get that anxiety. If we're starting to break something, I don't feel nervous there like I do at the beginning of a race. I don't feel nervous about that at all. In fact, I feel more kind of energized, like, hey, this is happening. I'm just finding out. I'm going to give the information to the viewers. But where the nervousness comes in is when my producer is trying to put information together and I have nowhere to go because I've got to fill time. This happened sure. the other day on something, and I'm having to ad-lib. We're waiting for the governor to come out. I am live on air, and, and it was a time that we're not normally in a show, so it's not like anything had been produced. They throw me on the air. The governor has an announcement. Governor's supposed to start right at a certain time, 1 o'clock. The governor's not there. Well, we don't want to go back to regular programming, which is a soap opera, because they're like, yeah. we don't want to go to the, the soap opera and then have to come back out of it, go to, back to the governor. So they're telling me, Phil, well, I keep oh, going boy. on and on and on and on and on and on. That's where I start getting this anxiety because sure. I'm thinking it's just mindless chatter at that point. I sure. mean, I was about the other day when it happened, I was ready to just start giving people my grocery store list you know, because <laughs> I have nowhere yeah. to go at that yeah. point. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, how nerves, you know, but yes, with the running, as nervous, sick to my stomach as I feel at the beginning, as soon as that gun goes off and you take off, I'm like, oh, finally, I just, you know, I needed to get out of the gate. Yeah, I bet. I, I know. I, I know that you can't see the looks of people, but you know, as a race director, sometimes I feel those same emotions whenever I'm sitting up there at the award stand when the timer says, "Yeah, I'll have the awards. I'll have the results to you in two minutes." Yes. And you know, here you are standing in front of people, and they're staring at you, and they're like, "We're ready to go home. Where's my award? Oh, Jesse, you said yeah. this started at nine thirty. It's now nine forty-five, and I'm sitting there like, okay." The awards are going to start any minute now. Yeah, I can, I can really, I can, I see those stairs and I'm sure that you can just feel yeah, the same thing. Yeah. And you know, I can relate a little bit to what you're saying because, you know, we have that all women's race, that five mile race called Heart and Soul. Like the right. Medical Center's Heart and Soul Women's Five Miler. And Gina had started that and years ago she had said, you know, if I start this race for women by women, will you be part of it? And so I MC it for her every year. Well, part of being an MC is you're the one in front you know, to start the race, which is great because everybody's excited and happy to be there and wants to be there. And then at the end, when people are waiting to find out if they placed and then they find out they did place and then they find out, well, you know, we want to get our award. But yet 
all the information isn't in yet. We've got to get it organized. And they're just standing there because they've got things to do. They want to get going. Sure. And uh, and then, you know, there are other people there because they're waiting to see if they their name is called for a door prize because we usually have amazing door prizes for that race. So there is pressure on you for that. So sure. I, I, I get what you're saying about the nerves when people are looking at you. But, you know, I... I always remind myself when, let's say I'm at one of your races and we're waiting on you to start the awards thing. To me, even though I have a schedule and I need to get to the next thing, that is such a fun time just hanging out with runners because you've done the race, you know, so the nerves of the race are completely gone. You're just enjoying the fellowship and being able to, you know, it's like, hey, one more dry bagel. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. So... You, you've mentioned so many things that you're involved in, helping out with races, running your own marathons, obviously being on air. What are some of the other hobbies that you enjoy in, I'd say, spare time, free time? What are some? Well, my, my, my horse, the horses, that, that's one of my all-time favorite things. And um, riding, I try to ride at least once or twice a week. Um, Paddle boarding out on the water is the most peaceful thing. My husband and and the kids and I really enjoy enjoy boating and we've gotten real into wake surfing. And that is so pleasurable to me and water skiing. um, My husband lifts weights like he's he's a big guy. And and so I go to the gym with him several times a week. I'm doing that. Um, And then I'm very involved in my church and we lead a Sunday school class. We, um, we're the directors of it and very involved in the people's lives in that group. So that takes a lot of time, um, investing in, I have a Bible study for freshman girls and investing in those girls takes a lot of time. And then I'm in my own Bible study with, um, some women in my age group and older, um, that's on one day a week. And then I fly back and forth to Indiana to try to help care for an aging parent. And so it's, there is no downtime, which is why I think running is such joy to me because I can be so burdened sure. with things in my life and so much on my plate that to be out there doing a run is a happy place for me. No doubt. Do you think paddleboard racing is in your future? Do I think racing is in my future? Paddleboard. Specifically, you, you mentioned oh, you, you mentioned you know, paddleboard was one of the things that, that you do. So, just thought I, of yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I I know they've got a good group at Lake Murray. We because of where we live, we go to Lake Watery, and um, you know, especially when I first started paddleboarding, people would wave me over to their dock and ask me what I was doing. You know, walking yeah. on water. <laughs> so I um I know I, I Jesse I. I think it's cool that people race in paddle boarding. I don't necessarily have a desire for it. I sure. I do try to make it a workout. Like I'm not just standing out there on my board kind of right. like moseying along. I mean, I'm trying to time myself. I'm trying oh, to wow. see what distance okay. I can get. Yeah. But I, um, yeah, I haven't even thought about, you know, I know they've got a great paddle board group at Lake Murray, but yeah, I, I guess I haven't really desired to go and compete with it i kind of compete against myself with it and it's, and it's very joyful to be on that water and especially when you see the wildlife you know swooping oh, down i've seen eagles you know out at lake watery when i'm on my board and it's it's bliss to just be able to stop for a second you know stand on your board and you're like wow there's that eagle right in front of me sure yeah amazing amazing sights for sure 
So yeah. uh, last question I have for you, as you know, I'm the coordinator for the Run Hard um, Running Program, and we work with a lot of kids just starting out. Some kids have done it before. Sometimes kids' parents have run before, so they, they already know some things about the sport. But whether it's a young person or a beginner runner, is there some nugget of advice that you would give them whenever they're first starting out or they're young? That they can do it. I would remember vividly, and I, <laughs> I remember her name, but I'm not going to say it. And this was in Indiana, so, you know, I mean, the chances that she would ever hear it, but I, I would never want to speak ill of her. But I had a gym teacher when we would run around the track as part of our gym class she would always say, call me shelf butt, because she said I stuck my rear end out when I was running. And I remember her laughing. Now, believe me, this did not damage me. Sure. You know, I don't, sure. I'm not saying that. But I just remember for years thinking, oh, I'm not a runner because I run with my rear end out. Right. And I mean, what teacher calls a student, oh, you have a shelf butt when right. you run? <laughs> and so that stuck with me, though, obviously, forever it has stuck with me and I just remember when I became a runner and like really more than just kind of casually running but really running and making it a huge part of my life I remember thinking at that time if you had asked me will you be a runner are you a runner I would have said no because I have a shelf butt which I don't but again, for some reason, I guess when I ran, I stuck like a pickle. You know, you, yeah. you stick your tummy forward and your butt right. out. And and that's just a quick correction, you know, just realizing good posture when you're running. But instead of the teacher saying, hey, here's what you need to do to, to be, you know, more in line alignment with what you need to do as a runner. Instead of that, she made, you know, this remark that wasn't so positive. Sure. So. I think for young kids, I'd want to say to them, don't ever think you're in a category that means you can't do it. Sure. Believe that you can and just keep pursuing it and surround yourself with people who are encouragers to you and then enjoy the benefit of when you do accomplish that, that you chose to stick to it and not let some snide remark you know, take you off course. Sure, man, that's great. You know, I, uh, I I tell many people, and I try to tell kids this, whether they hear it, listen or not. But I'm a believer that the greatest gift you can give a kid is confidence. The more confident, the more confidence you give a kid, it's like their their uh, just belief in what they can do later in life, current life, current life situations. There, there's no limit to it, and so yes. I, I mean, you just can't regret giving a kid confidence. So that's so good to hear you I say that. I like that, Jesse. My husband, when our kids were growing up, would always say, "Hey, remember ABC Ash, ABC Ash, and ABC Ash stands for always be confident." always stay humble Hmm. and you do want to instill that confidence in children and and even adults adults like confidence but you want them to be humble about it and just to be able to say i can do this i believe in myself i believe god created me to be able to do these things and then to be humble about it to say hey you know but let me let me make others on the course feel special too 
Sure, sure. Good word. So, Donnie, thanks so much again for your time coming on and just chatting with me a little bit. All things running, where running has taken you, where your career has taken you, and everything that you've just shared with us today. I really do appreciate your time, and uh, thanks again for sharing your life up to date with us. Well, I appreciate it. I thought you had great questions. It was fun to talk about it, and I hope it just serves as an encouragement to everyone who listens. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks again for listening to the Run Hard Running Team podcast. Remember, get out and enjoy. The seasons are changing. The weather, It's not raining anymore, so get out, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the warmer weather, and always remember, run hard. See ya.